Here we are, all mortal, all on one blue boat, traveling in the wide universe. All of us, all seven billion humans, all 10 quintillion or so insects, the one and a half million different species share one home. It's beautiful and it's changing. Today, I want to talk about one of the results of these changes, the problems it brings and what we can do about them. As the climate changes, the places people live, grow our food, build our cities, know the land, are also changing. As the New York Times and ProPublica uh, Publica report in today's Times Magazine, right now, about 1% of the land on Earth is what you would call a hot zone that barely sustains human life. Think of places like the Sahara Desert, places that people can't grow food, can almost never make permanent homes, just travel through as quickly as possible. That's about 1% of the land mass of this planet. Over the next 50 years, that figure may rise to 19%. We're already say, seeing the effect in the displacement of people. Some call them climate refugees, although our government doesn't re recognize them as refugees, as people deserving asylum. And some of them prefer not to be called refugees. So I'll be calling them people displaced by climate change. Low-lying nations in the South Pacific, such as Tonga, Vanuatu, and Fiji, have reason to fear that rising seas will make their lands uninhabitable within another 10 years. Drought in Syria recently drove a huge migration from the countryside to the cities in the same country, making people more vulnerable to the civil war that followed, and perhaps helping to exacerbate the tensions that led to that brutal civil war. The deserts of Northwest Africa are growing, causing people to migrate within their countries and beyond their borders in search of land that will sustain them. And a large swath of Central America, formerly habitable, is becoming less and less so. Today we'll hear several pieces of an interview with someone who comes from that affected region. Mi nombre es Gregorio Soy de Guatemala, ¿verdad? Del departamento de Chiquimula, municipio de Jocotán. Especialmente Jocotán queda eh, cerca de la frontera de Honduras, especialmente Jocotán es un municipio eh, especialmente donde se practica el idioma chortí, especialmente de la lengua maya, ¿verdad? We have the privilege of Gregorio joining us because he's been accompanied by our accompaniment team, uh, currently uh, composed of Jess Martin and um, Karen Scold who are working with him to help make him and his daughter at home in, um, in our community. In Central America, a weather pattern that has occurred for centuries is changing. El Nino, this long-standing weather pattern, causes intense weather phenomena every few years, as you probably know. 
And once every so often, there's a super El Nino that leaves several years of higher worldwide temperatures in its wake. But three super El Ninos have occurred in the space of 20 years. That's new. And it appears that the increased frequency is caused by climate change, and it can be expected to continue. Gregorio and his family experienced the results firsthand. Ya ahorita, pues, durante como unos siete años que ha dejado de, de llover, ¿verdad? Eh, se siembra el frijol, el maíz. Sí se mira que nace muy bonita la milpa, pero a los tres meses o dos meses ya no llueve, la milpa se seca. We're leaving out Gregorio's last name because he doesn't have permission to be here, here in the United States. If your life is threatened by gangs where you come from, if there's a war on there, if you have been tortured or threatened with torture, you might be able to apply for asylum and uh, as a refugee, and you might get it. But people who are driven from their homelands by imminent starvation, they can't apply for asylum in the United States. They can't be called refugees, and they are very seldom allowed to immigrate. Gregorio has a wife, four daughters, and a nephew that he and his wife adopted. The nephew tried to cross to the United States once before, was hurt on the train tracks, and had to have a foot amputated. Most of the family is still in Jocotlan, in Guatemala. Por ese motivo, pues también es de que yo como eh, hoy estoy en este país, nunca lo imaginaba, no, no lo pensaba yo, pues estar en este país. Cuando me decían, te quieres ir para Estados Unidos, ¿por qué no te vas? Yo les decía, tengo miedo, pero al ver la, la necesidad de mi familia, Ya mi hija, pues, al ver que yo tomaba esa decisión, pues dijo, papá, si se va, pues, yo quiero también eh, seguirlo, pero yo le decía, no quiero arriesgarte, prefiero irme solo, pero mi hija dijo, sí, quiero irme. No es fácil eh, tomar una decisión. No la tomé porque yo la quería tomar o porque quería estar aquí, por no me hizo venir. Fue la necesidad de mi familia al ver la, la pobreza y hoy que estoy aquí, pues. I'm here because of poverty, because of the needs of my family. When we were recognized as a green sanctuary, a congregation that is explicitly devoted to uh, being sustainable, environmentally sustainable in its own practices, <coughs> excuse me, and encouraging our wider community and each of us individually to be, um, to be sustainable in our practices. At the time that we were recognized as a green sanctuary, the organization within the Unitarian Universalist Association that directed the program was called the Seventh Principle Project. You may know the words of the Seventh Principle, respect for the interdependent web of all existence of which we are a part. Part of that web is humanity. We are all affected by climate change and everything else that happens on our planet and to our planet 
but we're not all affected the same way. As the eco-justice avenger would remind us, hazardous waste is more likely to be dumped near where poor people and people of color live. A lot of our electronics collected supposedly for recycling are actually shipped to China and dumped in rivers and piles there, affecting the health of the people living nearby. So ask a few hard questions before you send off your e-waste. And the greatest risk factor for environmental lead poisoning in our country, greater than being poor, greater than living in shoddy housing, is being African-American. Since we are all on one boat, we must sink or sail together, unless we're willing to throw some people out of the boat. In fact, lifeboat ethics became a term for exploration of what we do when there aren't enough resources to go around, when there truly isn't enough for everyone. But we are not in a lifeboat ethics circumstance with our environment. There is enough, as long as we share it fairly. So one of the things that we had to do to become a green sanctuary was to work on an issue of eco-justice, a situation where some humans were being disproportionately hurt by environmental problems, sometimes partially caused by them, sometimes caused by people thousands of miles away. We focused here in our congregation on the Alaskan village of Shishmaref on the Bering Strait. I want to give a particular shout out to Ben Hammett, who really led that effort and made sure that Shishmaref stayed in our consciousness as we were doing this work. Most of the people who live there are Inupiaq, and they live mostly on hunting and fishing. But as the seas warm up, it's harder to find the sea mammals they live on. The entire village is built on permafrost, which as you probably know, is land that is permanently frozen. It's a mixture of rock, soil, ice, and snow, all mixed together and frozen hard. Now that the ice and snow are melting, the village is sinking into the ocean. Now we can turn around the melting of the permafrost but it will take time, and it comes too late for the people of Shishmaref. So we worked on getting the word out, supporting their appeals for financial help from the government and a grant of a piece of land to which they could move that would not sink into the Bering Strait. We can turn around the warming of the oceans and the intensifying of El Nino, but it is too late for the drought-stricken people of Hokotlan. They need help now. Let's hear from Gregorio again. Un poquito de dinero y allá miro que hay gente también que necesitan. Le digo a mi hija o a mi esposa, mira, compartí un poquito de lo que llegan hacia los demás. Quien llegue a la casa, dale de comer, dale de beber, porque Dios me está bendiciendo también aquí y yo quiero compartir también con mis hermanos ahí, porque Conozco el sufrir, conozco cuando uno no tiene maíz, no tiene azúcar o no tiene lo que le es necesario en la casa. Y yo también quiero ayudarles a ellos. I could stop there. That's the whole sermon. Gregorio just delivered it. This is who we are as human beings. 
We are those who, no matter how bad our own situations, and Gregorio's is much worse than he is sharing here, we can respond to misfortune with empathy. We know what it is to suffer. So we respond to suffering with love and care. If we sometimes have a feeling that maybe the planet would be better off without humans, maybe we have that feeling because we are so steeped, so surrounded by selfishness and consumption that we don't know how generous, how kind, how selfless humans can be. We get out of touch with our own nature, which is interdependent. Interdependence means that when something tugs on the web over there, we feel it over here. It's happening all the time, every day, in everything we do. So when something tug tugs on the web, when we feel our connectedness, what will we do? Will we respond as Gregorio does here? Will we acknowledge that we are a part of one web of life on one world? Or will we build a wall around us and our stuff, warm ourselves around our fossil fuel fires, and just be glad that we've got ours? I know the answer from this congregation. I know, I know how generous and loving the hearts are of the people gathered here. So before I close, I need to do two things. To tell you that it's a lot worse than a couple of million people displaced by climate change, and to tell you what we can do. Because the solution is within our grasp, and we can't afford to give up hope. First, the wake up, the shake up. If the hot zone of practically uninhabitable land expands to 19% of the land mass, as some models predict, then we can expect a billion people who currently live there to seek homes elsewhere. One billion over the next 50 years. Well within the lifetimes of many of us gathered here. So let us be clear. Our paltry laws and fences are not going to stop the migration even if we want them to. People will go where they can find work and food for themselves and their families, or they will die trying. That's what we do. So that's the bad news. Here's the good news, delivered by climate activist Greta Thunberg. The climate crisis has already been solved. We already have all the facts and solutions. This is Amy speaking. This has not always been true, but it is now. We have the knowledge we need. We have the technology we need. We know what we need to do and how to do it. As Greta goes on to say, all we have to do is to wake up and change. Now, if you are already awake and you already want to change, and as I said, I'm pretty confident you are and you do, I suggest picking a couple of things on different levels of the problem.
the very end of the order of service has links to just a sampling of each of these, and I'm giving you just a sampling as well. There are things we can do to address the source of the problem. The first of these is change our own behavior. Now, if you're poor, you don't have a lot you can change. If you never fly, if you don't have a car, if you don't own your home, all, by all means, switch to LED light bulbs, but you're already living probably a pretty sustainable life. It's those of us who burn more than our share of fossil fuels, who buy cars and appliances, who travel for work and pleasure, who can make a really big difference. And the second thing we can do to address the source of the problem is change our policies. From local to international, from getting our municipal power company to leave a consortium that promotes the use of natural gas, ask me more, I'll tell you what that's about, to pressuring our county to expand public transit, when we can all use that again, to electing governors and presidents who will treat climate change as the crisis it is, political advocacy makes a difference. Support that and support organizations that are moving us in the right direction. Those address the source. That's really important if we are to turn climate change around. And in the meantime, there are people who are holding on to the lifeboat boat, trying not to drown. We can help them by supporting asylum for those displaced by climate change, by supporting organizations like our own Unitarian Universalist Service Committee that does great work with people who are being displaced. And right here, our accompaniment team, with the support of our justice partner from last month, the Interfaith Movement for Human Integrity, is looking for more members. Join the team. And help the family with whom our congregation is already forging a relationship. Me hace falta, como yo le digo a mi hija, es el trabajo, porque para mí el trabajo es una bendición de Dios y me encanta mucho trabajar en lo que es la jardinería. Es muy precioso. Me siento feliz también cuando trabajo para un hermano de este país. Me siento contento y con todo gusto y con esa gracia de Dios me siento contento hacerles el trabajo también a ellos. Les que trabaje, pues ahí estoy también para servirles con todo amor y ese cariño que Dios me da también para compartir con cada uno de, de nuestros hermanos que encuentro en este, en este país. Gregorio, I remind you, is a professional farmer and he wants to garden for people. The Seventh Principle Project, which launched the Green Sanctuary Program, has now been renamed to the UU Ministry for Earth, the Unitarian Universalist Ministry for Earth. It's a good name. Seventh Principle Project was sort of cryptic for those who aren't familiar with the UU principles already. But let's remember what the Earth means in UU Ministry for Earth. That reminder from the Seventh Principle. Earth means all of us, this blue boat, and everything that ever lived on it and ever will. Whether we are homo sapiens or insects to which humans have never given names or a plant that lives deep in the Amazon, we are part of this earth and connected to all of the others. Whatever spot 
On this blue boat, we were born. Inland or on a crumbling coastline. Close to forests experiencing more frequent wildfires or somewhere insulated from the most dramatic changes in the climate. Needing to flee our homeland or living in a land to which the fleeing people come. Wherever we are, we are all, all of us, together here with our ship's companions, all we kindred pilgrim souls. We all need a blessing. Y esperando que siempre Dios siga bendiciendo todos sus trabajos y los cuide en todos sus caminos también que vean. Gracias. Amén. 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 Y gracias.